0: Seattle Times headline. When it comes to water rights, collaboration beats litigation. Hmm, that's interesting. We if you followed this program at all over the last couple of years, you know we have the tendency to talk about this a lot. The importance of collaboration coming together. As a community, to work on water issues—not just water rights, but we—we've been saying here on the program, water management uh, is the crisis that we—it's a water management crisis that the Nooksack Basin faces with flooding, with drought, too much water at some times, not enough at others, uh, very little if any ability to actually manage that in a responsible and sustainable way uh, to protect fish to protect local food and farming, to protect families from flooding. This is all wrapped up into this, and it touches every single part of our community. And so when you see a headline that in the Seattle Times... You know, my ears are going to perk up. I think yours should, too, if you're here in, in Whatcom County in the Basin. What's this all about? This is talking about what happened in the Yakima Basin. We've talked about the Yakima Basin. We've talked about, about it both as a cautionary tale on one hand, from some of the things that have happened there. We've also talked about it as a really a point of inspiration of what can happen. So it turns out this article in the Seattle Times uh, is an opinion piece, uh, an editorial written by Scott Ravel and Phil Rigdon. um, They're in the Yakima Basin and... Uh, Phil Rigdon, he, he's a member of the Yakima Nation and superintendent of the Yakima Nation's Natural Resources Department. We reached out to him, been trying to get him on the program. It hasn't worked scheduling-wise as of yet, but Scott Revell joins us right now. He's the manage uh, manager of the Rosa Irrigation District, um, representing, I guess, in a lot of ways, the interests of the farming community over there in, in uh, the Yakima Basin. He's on the phone with us this morning. <laughs> Scott, how did... How did this come to be that that you guys put this, even put this uh, opinion piece together? I think there's so much in this that folks here in the Nooksack Basin need to be understanding and, and embracing.
1: Well, the primary message is something that uh, both Phil and the Ackman Nation and myself and my irrigation district and most of the other Uh, uh, participants and partners in the ACMA-based integrated plan have been saying for quite some time. um, And that's, and and that the plan goes back to 2008, 2009, and that we're we're able to get more done when we're all pulling in the same direction. And that's mm-hmm. you know, easy to say, everybody probably agrees with that in concept, um, but you know it's much harder to put into practice.
0: So working together, what does it take to do that? Actually do that? Like you said, it sounds nice, but in reality it can be very difficult to make that happen.
1: In the case of the ACMA plan, um, I worked at a different irrigation district at the time, uh, was there for six and a half years so down at the bottom of the basin. Um, and was their representative to the group that was forming the plan back in uh, 2009. And at that point, we went around the room with all of the interests. So that was the conservation community, the state and federal fish managers, the Yakima Nation, uh, four or five irrigation districts, municipal entities, counties, um, federal government through several different agencies. um, And everyone, the one thing that everyone agreed on, was that if we did nothing, that would lead us to an unacceptable future. Everybody agreed that the future was going to be unacceptable by doing nothing, continuing to do what we were
0: doing. Which was so, what? What was it that you were doing? Because there there was already a uh, water rights adjudication filed by the state, what, back in the 70s, and that was still that, on the books, right?
1: Right. So in, in 1977, uh, with a significant drought in 1977, um, the state began the adjudication process. Uh, we'd had nearly 30 good water years in a row. There had been a significant drought in 1941. So that would have been what, 36, 36 seasons prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that resulted in litigation. that took several years to uh, hash out. And that was actually two irrigation districts went after each other in that case. Um, and, and in 1941, the entire, System was not the full development of the irrigation system had not quite happened. The Rosa irrigation system came online. Uh, first water was diverted in 1941. Um, construction of the dam and our canal system continued during World War II, but the uh, the Rosa system didn't develop out until the middle 1950s. Uh, the Kennewick Irrigation District was the bulk of it was built at about that same time. So you had additional demand after that that uh, that watershed moment in 1945. Right. Um, when we, they thought they had settled it, they thought they had everything figured out. Right. So the next big drought comes along, um, you know, there's pretty much no water in the river for fish at that point. Um, huge, you know, huge losses to growers, uh, because they just didn't, you know, didn't have the. Uh, didn't have the water to grow the crops. And it started off as a uh, the Bureau of Reclamation had miscalculated the total uh, supply of water that year mm. by several orders of magnitude. They came out with something like less than a 10% uh, allocation, which at the time was, you know, like an earth-shaking thing, uh, never before heard of. Later re- realized they'd not included any of the return flows, and so the number went up. Um, but uh, then were, they were actually looking at building a pipeline from the Columbia River and pulling crews off of the Alaska pipeline um, like on a um, almost like a D-Day type scale. Wow! wow. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, one thing our district did was we kept a really good file of all the news articles from from the '77 drought, and um, so it's rather interesting that you know they were trying in the space of uh, from early March to late March, just I mean, throw a lot of money at this to try to get it fixed, and and in the end that that solution just didn't wasn't going to work. But um, so fast forward from 1977 to 2009. Uh, so we're now what, uh, 23, about another 34 irrigation seasons later, um, we're in the midst of, uh, we're 34 years into the adjudication at that point. Um, and so we were, um, in, in many cases, most of the major claimants had settled their parts of the adjudication by that point. So people had a pretty good handle as to what they had And, and that, you know, that helped, um you know all that did was a kind of a snapshot in time so it just right. doesn't solve problems it just kind of shows you where you're at right um in 2009 was this was coming on the heels of a, a large storage study that had been done uh, for a major uh, irrigation reservoir outside of sunnyside um and between sunnyside and yakima and that congress had directed the bureau of reclamation to study uh, in the end, the state chose to take another path and look at an integrated water resources plan where we had water for irrigation, water for fish, monkey with the plumbing a little bit, some habitat improvements include the groundwater component, water marketing. And so that eventually evolved into the, the Yakima Basin uh, work group, which was about a 25-member uh, group that spent several months, uh, we would meet twice a, twice a month all day. Just going through the history there's dozens Mm -hmm. there's hundreds and there's thousands of pounds of studies that have been done and most people agreed we didn't need to do more studies what we need to do was some you know implementation and so we um, worked through you know all of the issues with weather changes over time uh, crop changes over time fish needs you know also during that interim period we'd in the 90s we'd had Steelhead listed as uh, as threatened under the Endangered Species Act, um, and same with bull trout. So steelhead are regulated by the National Marine Fisheries uh, Service, whereas bull trout are regulated by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And so you got two federal agencies there. They're not always um, in alignment. So they're um, it wasn't like you could just go to one point of contact. And yeah. um, there's yeah. probably about a dozen federal agencies from uh, the EPA to the Forest Service to Bureau of Reclamation. Um, and the Corps of Engineers, on and on and on that, you know, that had some handle uh, or some some influence here. So that group came together. We worked out the plan. Um, generally speaking, and I'm, I'm summarizing, but yeah, uh, people, that their view was, look, on, on balance, because this is a watershed scale plan, on, on balance, even though it was taking out some habitat in places, it was replacing it in other places and on balance there were net gains uh, both for uh, the ecosystem um, and for uh, for farmers and so the plan includes three water storage projects those are the pieces that we're particularly interested in we're also very interested in uh, healthy runs of salmon and steelhead uh, we've had a we've had a biologist in our district since the 1980s uh, we were very supportive of the 1979 federal legislation uh, in the Yakima Basin, which provided for fish ladders and fish passage, um, and so you know we we've had we have a forty-plus year history of of supporting fact-driven, science-based decision making regarding fish. Um, we were also supportive and, and helped author the 1994 legislation. Now, that was long before my time. So the second version of the Yakima Basin Enhancement Program was a federal legislation that was approved in 1994 by Congress. Actually on halloween almost exactly uh today in wow 1994. yeah so and, that uh, that helped you know we had a good basis to work from
0: the- yeah And again, we're talking with Scott Ravel right now. He's the manager of the Rosa Irrigation District over in eastern Washington uh, in the Yakima Basin, a basin that went through over 40 years of of process to get to where they are today, Uh, finally with an agreement that's moving forward and and being cited as a model around the country for dealing with these incredibly complex water issues um, in some ways very similar to what we're facing here in the Nooksack river basin here in whatcom county um scott is one of the co-authors of a recent editorial in the seattle times saying when it comes to water rights collaboration beats litigation now that litigation part is the water rights adjudication part and and we've been talking about that a lot here um if if you guys wouldn't have well i guess real quickly the co-author on this um Phil Rigdon um, with the Yakima Nation uh, Natural Resources Department and a member of the nation, um, he was kind of one of the people at Ground Zero, right, who, who kind of was able to reach out literally over the bed of a pickup truck and start a process of building trust.
1: That's correct. So Phil and Ron Van Gundy, who is my predecessor, who's the had been the manager at the Irrigation District uh, from 1982 to 2002, uh, and he he retired and worked uh, part time as our policy director after 2002. We had some health problems. Uh, they sat down and had a conversation out in the parking lot and said, "Hey, you know, what are we going to do about this? We got to we got to we got to figure out a better way." Uh, Derek Sanderson, who is now currently the director of the State Department of Agriculture, uh, was key to those discussions huh. um, and talking about the different components and how. You know, how the pieces could come together um and you know we had a couple people there who put their careers on the line uh to try to make uh to chart a new path and and that was at a time when and you'll hear you i've heard phil say this publicly on many occasions i mean irrigation districts and the tribal you know tribal staff and didn't, didn't um and the tribal government didn't interact a whole lot yeah. back then and yeah. and sometimes people were at risk um, just by even communicating and, mm. um, and it's I kind will of tell verboten. you, well, yes. And, and I can tell you that the world has changed such that, uh, when Ron passed away in 2017, uh, Phil spoke at his funeral, Wow! which was tremendously powerful. I mean, it was enough. I took my family members there to see it. Wow! Um, I wanted them to see that, uh, and, and Phil made light of that during uh, when, he, when he was speaking and he was kind of only, and he'd tell you, it was only kind of partly joking. I think that's what he said at the time. That, <laughs> um, you know, hey, don't tell, <laughs> don't tell everyone. You know, I could still get in trouble for this. But yeah. the, I think was, at that point, I mean, the, the, the relationship had, had warmed and, and it really yeah. boiled down to people people got to know each other. Um, and, you know, and I, I described this as we've had a, uh, our the core group has spent a lot of time together. We have traveled all over the country together many, many times. Mm. Um, we've spent a lot of time driving to Olympia for hearings and meetings and briefings. Um, several of us have given presentations about the plan in other parts of the country or in other countries. And, wow. Um, so we have uh, the State Department of Ecology Office of Columbia River Manager and I You know, drove up to Alberta and made a presentation on the plan to to farmers in, in, in Southern Alberta and, uh, and others have been to England and Brazil and Australia. Mm. Um, the American Rivers group paid to fly our, our, um, our core group down to Glenwood Springs, Colorado back in 2015 in the middle of a drought, which we made time for, and we spoke to a bunch of ranchers on the west slope of the Colorado River who are all worried about their water being shipped down to San Diego and Los Angeles. And, you know, kind of how our group came together and, and, you know, one of the things we said was, well, if, you know, if you can avoid the 40 years of teeth kicking in court, you know, and just kind of skip ahead to the solution, that would be great. Um,
0: So would that be your message to us here in, in the Nooksack Basin as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can avoid the battle, that's great. Sometimes you have to have the battle to, Hmm. you know, to real, to get to the point. Um, I I equate it. I went to a seminar a long time ago on boundary law back when I was a planning director and a a grizzled old bruised beaten up uh, property lawyer from Hmm. downtown Portland said, you know, I guess I've I've made a lot of money, sent my kids to very good colleges and um, fighting to the knife on, on tiny, tiny, tiny little amounts of land on boundary disputes. But he goes, the bottom line is there comes a point when one of the clients, when the client on one side or the other just says, you know what, I've spent the last dollar, just go make a deal. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so if you can just jump ahead to make a deal. <laughs>
0: yeah, why spend all that? And, <laughs> which, and, again, and what easy- could you do with all of those resources and right. all that time instead of fight? Yeah,
1: yeah. that's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. But, you know, yep. but I but I think that that, that little bit of wisdom is always... Always stuck with me. And where, so,
0: where would the okay. where would the Yakama Basin be right now if that conversation hadn't hadn't happened? If that trust wouldn't have been built? If the Yakima Basin Integrated Plan wouldn't have happened? Where would where would you be right now?
1: Well, we definitely be a lot farther behind on the habitat improvements. Um, we have had over about a ten-year period significant, um, absolutely significant um, uh, improvements, removing. Uh, fish passage barriers. Uh, we, many of the canals had already been screened. The intakes had been screened, but um, we've removed a lot of small diversions and opened up new habitat, uh, very high quality habitat for ESA-listed steelhead that probably would not have happened. Why not? Um, well, probably we'd be, we would have been looking at a uh, probably Clean Water Act lawsuit, which had actually mm. been threatened uh, outside of Ellensburg, and so we'd probably still be fighting that. Mm. Um, My irrigation district, because of the 77 drought, has a long history of uh, very aggressive water conservation through piping smaller lateral canals. Um, So we've been doing that since 1983. There has also been a big emphasis basin-wide on on on-farm conservation. I don't think we'd be nearly as far uh, with on-farm conservation. Uh, Part of that is we were able to get uh, money put into the federal budget for the conservation districts to help uh, growers convert from real like furrow irrigation uh, mm-hmm. to center pivots, more efficient systems, and there's significant labor savings that also accrue in yeah. addition to water savings.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, I think the you know those are just a couple of examples. You know, long-term water supply planning, long-term uh, water marketing. You know, the I mean, my district leases more water than probably everybody else put together. Um, you know, probably maybe even statewide. You yeah, know, in a yep. drought. So those water, water, um, marketing conversations are, uh, we've actually got some studies going on certain market aspects that, are, that that would not have happened because when we go to Olympia or Washington DC, we all have the same message. And so that's, that's, you know, very, very powerful with our delegation yeah. and when we're and, and even elected representatives and in, in other States, um, and with the, you know, like the committee staff, when we're trying to explain where we're coming from, whether it's you know, appropriations of the Ag Committee, you know, whether it's House or Senate um, or natural resources, you know, on the House side. So be, having one message is huge and we don't always agree. Sometimes we have to agree to not say a few things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes we, we have to maintain to- that
0: trust, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we ha- we have to, you know, sometimes success looks like, well, we're not going to oppose something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sometimes that's the best we can do.
0: Well, you have to look at the bigger picture and there has to be a give and take yeah. and something that you referenced earlier, too. You can't do anything without having impacts. And there will be some negative impacts no matter what you do. But you have to weigh right. that out and look at the big picture and get a net gain overall make better things happen than worse... Uh, there's just so much uh, that we can can glean from this here in the Nook Sack. We just have like 30 seconds left. We've been talking with Scott Revelle with the Rosa Irrigation District uh, over in the Yakima area. He's based in Sunnyside, representing farmers there, working with tribes over there um, in recent years and decades to hash out water rights issues and ultimately creating the, the Yakima Basin Integrated Plan um, in just the last, you know, 15 seconds that we have before we got to run uh, to the break here, Scott, what, what would your advice be, uh, for folks here in Whatcom County facing the, the specter of, of this process?
1: Commit to building trust and commit to keeping it over many, many years so that when you go to the other parties and explain that that's a backbreaker issue, they'll believe you and they'll, uh, they'll respect it.
0: Very good advice. Thank you so much. Um, we should have you back sometime because th- this is such a, a deep uh, subject. I wish we had more to, time to get into it, but thank you so much, uh, Scott, uh, Revelder, and in, in Sunnyside. My pleasure.